1: Welcome into episode number one ninety four of Greatest Pot in the South. I'm Neil McCready, J.G. Tate with me as well. It is uh, Wednesday, November the second, as we tape this. I trust that you all had a wonderful Halloween, and uh, you're probably like me—you're getting ready to put your Christmas decorations up any day now because the woman in your life wants the Christmas decorations up. It's as simple as that, and we can all sit here and act like that's not the case, but damn it, it is, and that's the way it's going to be, and. If you're like me on Saturday morning, you're just going to start the mimosas and put the Christmas stuff up. It's going to be all right. Uh, we'll talk about uh, a lot of things. You might you might guess that we're going to talk about Auburn. Brian Harson out on the plains. Jay is uh, doing show after show after show, just ringing up the money. Every time I see Jay, he, his face looks greener. It looks like a looks like a Ben Franklin portrait these days. We'll talk about uh, all of those things. And more here on the show. I want to tell you, I am coming through the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662 257 that number. Call it, get a quote if you're in the market for a vehicle. Even if you're not in the market for a Ford, he can uh, help steer you in the right direction. Make sure you're getting a good deal wherever it is that you're looking. Again, 662-257-1900. Jay, how are you?
2: I am great. Not much going on in my world professionally at all. Uh, <laughs> drama-free Halloween. And uh, dressed up like my favorite uh, scary person from Eyes Wide Shut with my uh, Venetian mask and my black robe and my black, uh, I call it a baklava, but my wife just says it's a face mask, whatever, to completely obscure who I am. So I like to go around. The kids aren't as scared as they used to be, Neil. Ten years ago, that used to really weird kids out. Now they just kind of say, what's up? I don't understand this. They're desensitized (laughs) to scary creatures. But anyway. We'll talk about that another time. The scariest creature over here would be a uh, competent athletic director. It'd certainly be rare.
1: How about that, huh? So let me quiz you a little bit because I'm curious on a number of things, and obviously the the Ole Miss people who listen to the show are going to want your input on a number of things. Let's start sort of in chronological order. On Saturday, uh, Auburn played Arkansas in a football game. You were doing a show. I was watching the show, and prior to that, I think the John Cohen stuff started to break by the end of the day, I I think John Cohen to Auburn was depending on how you want to define the word done. It was done. It was going to happen. I think, um, how surprised were you that Auburn hired the Mississippi state athletics director? And then kind of, what are your thoughts on it?
2: I was surprised. I didn't hear about him until fairly late in the process. And I thought at the time I was trying to figure out what was going on, that he was a late addition. And so I was like, wait a minute, so this dude just pops up, and then two days later, he's odds-on favorite, and three days later, he's hired? Like, this seems very uh, rushed or hasty. Looking back on it now, he had been talking to him for a while. I just didn't know about it. None of us did. But he, I believe, Neil, I'm pretty sure, he was the second SEC athletic director that the job was offered to.
1: Yes, I believe that they offered the job to Hunter Urchek at Arkansas, and he said no.
2: I agree, and I think they offered him a bundle of money.
1: I think they then offered it to Dan Radakovich at Miami and he said no in large part because he just gotten to Miami and his work there has just sort of begun and I don't think he wanted to start all over again and then they turned to Cohen and he said yes. So I think it's good. I
2: think you get an athletic director that knows the SEC that understands what it takes. Of course he was a very good coach uh, both at Kent—well, Northwestern State for back in the day and then Kentucky and Mississippi State. Uh, he's been as best I can tell I mean a good athletic director at Mississippi State he made a mistake in Joe Moorhead but he handled that the way you would want him to as he cut it pretty quickly he got out of that he didn't ride that that train all the way to the bottom of the sea and then he made a good hire in Mike Leach he's been a good fit for Mississippi State he's made them a lot better and you know Ben Howland has been moderately successful there I'm Vic Schaefer I don't obviously that guy was did some great work at mississippi state but i don't know about the relationship between those two maybe but uh and generally yeah i think he's a competent good athletic director with a whole lot of sec experience and that's what auburn needed because the last guy they had did not know what he was getting into he came here from buffalo and i'll always believe alan green is a good dude but he, he was just in over his head when it came to making the difficult big dollar decisions he he got scared
1: of it so john cohen gets the job and uh he's got- a few months, really, to kind of sit and 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 observe. Oh, yeah. Get his feet wet. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, Auburn loses to Arkansas in a football game there at Jordan Hare Stadium. On Monday morning, Brian Harson gets the old "Hey, here's a bunch of money, go away" uh routine, which we all we all desire. Harson's out. Um, where I know you. I'm not even going to ask. Were you surprised? You weren't. I listened to your show on Saturday. I think you thought. This is coming any day now, the the Harson thing. Now that it's done, what's the Brian Harson epilogue at Auburn?
2: Well, I, I was surprised, Neil, in that, I mean, I caught after the LSU loss, which was before the Ole Miss loss. So we're talking three weeks ago. I thought that was it. For me, that was it. I said, this program's regressing. I see no chance of him being able to turn this around. So at this point, he's done. Now, you don't have to necessarily fire him at that moment. In fact, I wouldn't have advocated for that had it been president, but – At that point, you got to make that decision. It's over. And it's been a spectacular failure. Uh, I did not think that they would uh, do the A.D. and fire him on the same day. Uh, Actually, it was a 19 minute separation between when we confirmed that John Cohen had been hired to when they fired him. It was in the 11 o'clock hour on Monday morning. Um, All that happened. (laughs) And it makes sense. I mean, you, you definitely don't want to have Cohen making that decision because he's going to have to be like, well, now I've got to watch games and I've got to interview him and it's going to take time. Auburn doesn't have time, okay? It's November 1st. Well, at that time, it's October 31 Auburn's got to have somebody hired no later than December, whatever,
1: 1st, 2nd, 3rd. Yeah, because the kids get in the portal on the 5th and you've got to be jumping.
2: You got to be jumping right there. You've got to figure out who you need to keep. You got to figure out who you got to go get. And you've got the early signing period, which is going to hit on the 21st. And, you know, of all the kids in the recruiting uh, population, what 70% are going to go somewhere and sign on that day or within 24 hours of that opening of that window. So you got to give this coach, the next coach, some time. I mean, even if it's Deion Sanders or somebody like that who has that super duper splash to him. He's still got to figure out what he wants to do and what the holes are on Auburn's roster and how they've got to be filled. So you got to give him some time. I I thought he was dragging his feet, the president on getting the AD named. I was like, good God, dude, come on. We've got to have this done. Boom, boom, boom. He had it all straightened out and had a really good plan. And now they're right where they need to be. Assuming that Cohen gets on, on ground here and gets hustling on this. When you're talking about Auburn, though, it ain't really necessarily about finding the right guy and getting him hired. It's about placating forces within the Auburn sphere and making sure that they don't hate you. I mean, I'm serious. That's really what it gets down to. So for Cohen, it's less about a list of guys and who I like than it is who works here at Auburn.
1: So John Cohen's the AD. He's going to conduct a coaching search. Is he going to be the guy who makes the hire?
2: Look, man, we've been here 25 years. If past his prologue, he might make the hire, but he's not the one making the decision, no. I mean, I would be skeptical. Now, you are bringing in a guy who's been doing this a while. He's from the SEC. He has more clout than probably any AD that's ever worked here. I think he will have a say, but the idea that he's coming in here, you know, guns blazing, I'm the new sheriff in town, and here's what we're going to do,
1: no chance. From what you can gather, is there a booster consensus as to who Auburn wants to hire? No.
2: I don't. You can't get a consensus over here about nothing. (laughs) But I think there are guys, I think at this point, what the president is asking these folks is who do you like and who can you live with? Okay. So maybe you say, I like Hugh freeze and that's the guy I would hire. However, Dan Lanning, I can deal with him. I like his background. I like this, that, or the other thing. Maybe Jeff Grimes. No, he doesn't do anything for me. And I think if you're smart as the president and the AD, you start kind of formulating, okay, here's the guys that have the best Q score among these people. And we go after them. And maybe we throw in somebody else and see what they think about him after we talk to them. That might be like a Dan Lanning or something like that, because I haven't heard his name really in the Auburn circles, but he seems like a smart choice, at least to
1: consider. All right, so this happens on Monday. I, can't, I, I think it was Monday. Maybe it was Tuesday. I lose track of days. Within, within a – no, it was Monday because I saw it and indirectly asked Lane Kiffin about it. Brandon Marcello at 247 Sports – comes out and says, Auburn's focused on uh, Lane Kiffen Sort of ignored that because, A, the search just started. They're not focused on one person. I've done this long enough to know that's not how it works. But when Bruce Feldman, who I respect, and when Blake Topmeyer, who I respect, and when Chris Vanini, who I respect, mention in a list, all kind of at the top of that list, they put Lane Kiffen as the guy that maybe Auburn is most interested in, maybe the guy that Auburn is going to talk to first or try to talk to first, I pay attention to that. So you and I have talked about Lane Kiffin to Auburn on this show, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks, we've talked about it. I'm on record, I don't think Lane Kiffin at Auburn is a good fit. That being said, Lane Kiffin's not gonna ask me if I think Auburn's a good fit. His agent's not going to ask me if I think Auburn's a good fit, and Auburn's not going to ask me if I think it's a good fit. So my opinion is just that, an opinion, like everybody else's opinion. Um, in the end, do you think Lane Kiffin is a major player for this, or do you think that is just kind of the top of Auburn's wish list?
2: I think he's a player. I'm not really ready to say that anyone would be a main player or a primary, you know, the, the star of the show. I do think he's on the list. I do think he's near the top of the list if he's not at the top. More or less because he's a very successful coach at a quote, and I don't want him up to upset anybody here, but at a gettable program, right? Ole Miss has got some limitations. Okay, it can only offer a max of four years of compensation. As, as you've talked about this, I'm, I'm sure a million times on OEP.
1: Yeah, the state contracts can be are, are limited to four years. Now there's right there's some complicating things. The private part of his contract through the uh, Loyalty Foundation could. Conceivably be a 20 year deal if that's not going to happen. But th- there are ways around that a little bit. The problem for Ole Miss is that Kiffin, I think, wants that to be public, right? That if he, let's say he gets a, what is essentially a seven year commitment worth $70 million, he wants that in the headline. Instead, it's going to be a four year commitment. That is going to be automatic rollovers. And I think they can max it out to six years with the foundation or whatnot. But whatever the case may be. He can't get the big number, big headline contract that I think maybe he thinks would be good for him from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, I
2: understand that. I mean, and and Auburn, of course, you know, could do whatever. Seven-year, eight-year, nine-year, ten-year, they can pull that off, no problem. And I think in general, Auburn has more money than Ole Miss or can commit more money to this than Ole Miss can. So I don't think Ole Miss would want to get into a bidding war. Um I don't think they would win it in this case if Auburn decided they wanted to go to the wall for Lane Kiffin. But as you and I have talked about, and we're both fairly smart people and we understand Auburn. You understand Ole Miss better than I do, but you do understand Auburn quite well. I think he's a terrible fit. Um, He's a brooding, odd character who needs a lot of autonomy who demands a lot of autonomy and deserves a lot of autonomy. And I just don't think that's something that anybody gets here at Auburn. I think it's got to be someone who's a politic or somebody who knows how to work rooms. And that ain't him, man. I mean, no, Brian Harson sucked as a head coach. Okay. He was a disaster. He was the worst head coach in Auburn history. And I would argue one of the worst that's ever, ever coached in the sec, at least in the modern era, he's just absolutely horrible at everything. He's not good at anything. One of the things that made him put him in a bad spot though, is that he can't talk to people. And why would you go down that road again? Hell, Gus, could, he, Gus wasn't very good at it, and it caused
1: him problems. Gene Shizik was bad at it. It caused him problems. Tubb was really good at it. Great at it. And it helped him. Obviously, Tommy Tupperware is now a U.S. Senator. He was always a great politician. I mean, he was a guy who could work a room, um, and, and that meant something at Auburn. It just did. That and, skill means a lot at Auburn. Yeah. Um, if you told me – I was telling you this a minute ago. Someone came down and said, hey, look, I know the result of this – I always play the football gods or whatever, but the football gods say, hey, Lane Kiffin is the coach at Auburn December the 4th. I would say, wow, what that tells me is Auburn went eight, nine years, 10 plus million a year, and basically guaranteed the whole thing. They basically gave him a Jimbo Fisher contract. Now, if you told me that happened, I'm like, well, that's hey, that's a lot of money hard to walk away from that kind of money hard to turn that down bet on yourself in a sport where you can feel like you've got a great team and in the first two games of the season you lose a tailback a middle linebacker and a quarterback and you look up and you're like we're not so great anymore right i mean you know you this isn't this isn't betting on yourself as a as a wall street executive there there's there're things that are out of your control as a football coach so in your opinion auburn would they entertain the idea of as you said kind of go into the wall to me when you say go into the wall that means man you're on the wall like you are totally committing to somebody and if it turns out to be a bad fit it ends up being a remarkably bad business decision yeah
2: the way that you, like you mentioned with Jimbo,
1: Jimbo
2: I just don't my thing yeah so I mentioned from the Auburn side I just don't think Lane personality wise is a good fit I don't know if Auburn Thinks that deeply. I, I gotta believe the president showed a, a level of cunning on this last ad situation, and the way that the situation was handled with Harson that makes me think that he is thinking about things a little bit more deeply than the uh, horticulturalist in chief they had before <laughs> Captain Eagle Flygood. Um, anyway, uh, the joke on that was, of course, yeah, you know what I'm talking. Yeah. yeah, his name his name was Jay gouge the last Auburn president, and when they were kind of decide what they want to do with Chiswick they were like, he goes, well. There's a lot more that goes into the football program, than just the coach that we got to think about. I mean, did the band play good? Did the eagle fly good? And we're just like, dude, you're the president of a major university, and you said, did the eagle fly good? Are you shitting me? Like, what's wrong with this man? <laughs> no, it doesn't go that deep. No. We can get the eagle
1: to fly good and pay the coach five bucks. I mean, what are you talking about?
2: <laughs> anyway, we talk. That's actually a,
1: a word of a derision of eagles, right? I mean, you know, have eagle one and eagle seven out there racing around.
2: At Auburn Sports, we refer to like the regular Auburn fans, like the rank and file. We call them the Eagle flu goods. <laughs> that's just like the <laughs> word we use because they're the ones that show up in the stadium and go, hey, the Eagle flu good. we damn Eagle. You know, I mean, that's all that's as deep as it gets. Um, and you, there's
1: people like that at Ole Miss, too. I don't know sure. what they are call
2: them, but uh, I don't even remember where the hell we were. But
1: uh, I was I think talking about s- Kiffin and the big contract. is.
2: Yes. Yeah, so we talked about it from the Auburn perspective that I think personality wise, he's not there. But thinking about this from Kiffin's perspective. So if he's going to be able to get $10 million a year from Ole Miss, okay, and I do think there's some questions still to be answered about Lane as a coach, because let's be real, and I don't want Ole Miss people to be mad at me. I love the Rebel Grove folks, okay? But he doesn't necessarily win the big, big games, right? Like he's really good at getting Ole Miss right there. And they're super competitive and they're they're beating Auburn's ass now. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to be like they're behind Auburn. They're not. They're way ahead of Auburn. But I don't think he's necessarily a complete coach because they don't win the biggest games, and there's questions to me anyway about their defense at this point. And I don't think they're going to win the championship this year. So, is is it a good business decision for him to go from Ole Miss to Auburn if he can still get a bunch of money from Ole Miss if he gets a four year guaranteed deal worth ten million dollars a year? I mean, come on, man,
1: how much money do you need? Well, I think this is what's happening with Lane. I think it's twofold. I really do. I think number one. I don't think Auburn's anywhere near as far down the road in the process as, as Marcello intimated. I, and look, I'm on record, Brandon and I don't like each other, but I, I, sometimes he writes some things that I think are good, whatever. But I, I think he was – I think that was clickbait. I do. Um, and it probably worked. He probably got a absolute shit ton of clicks, and he probably made – bunch of money on it, impressions and and got a long way towards this quota. And I hey, good for you, man. October thirty first, pull it off on a, on something that's not going to happen until December the fifth. Go. I respect it. In 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 some ways. In some ways I think whatever. But regardless, I think Lane's doing two things. Lane's covering his bases. He's never gonna come out, nor should he, and go, hey look, man, I I I respect Auburn, but I'm not going to Auburn. I'm staying right here. Hotty toddy. That's dumb. You give away every bit of your leverage at that point. What's his leverage? Well, number one, he wants to get paid. And this is going to force Ole Miss to pay him more. And I think they were going to anyway. But this is going to force them to pay him more. And then number two, it puts some pressure on Ole Miss. And you've seen it. You haven't seen it, Jay, because you're covering Auburn. I'm covering Ole Miss. Just in the last three days the number of people who have signed up for Ole Miss's NIL collective has basically doubled, maybe more than doubled. I don't know. I don't keep up with it by the day, but there's been a lot of activity. So they've raised more money. He knows NIL is absolutely imperative, whether you're at Alabama or Auburn or Georgia or Boise state or wherever the hell you are, you've got to have some NIL if you're going to compete and win. And, I think he was frustrated, probably still is frustrated with their NIL, but at least they've this has forced some movement, um, and he's got in, He's used it right now because look, next week Ole Miss plays Alabama. It's going to be a tough sledding. Uh, after that, they have to go to Arkansas again. No guarantee there, and then they get Mississippi State at home. So he could lose some momentum on the field. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he goes eleven and one. I don't know. But and then you know at the end of this. For Auburn to get him, they're going to have to give him that massive, I think, kind of eye-popping, heart-thumping contract where people go, wow. If they offer him one of those? Hey, look, man, I mean, again, you're in, a, you're in a field where things can go south on you in a hurry, no matter who you are, so you, you take the money. But I think there are places that are out there in the next couple of years, I've said this, that make more sense. I keep hearing that he has some NFL interest and that that might be mutual. And some of those opportunities might come up. He's only, he'll be 48 when next football season starts. So he's got time. So I don't rule out Auburn at all. I think it could happen. Do I think it'll happen? I kind of don't. Unless Auburn just goes, hey, look, this is our guy. And whatever we got to do, we're going to do it. Caution be damned.
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't know if it would, you know, these things change over time. I and mean, we were talking about Marcelo earlier and him saying, you know, oh, it's a given blah, blah, blah. I mean, we got a long way to go here. And you got a lot of people to tell you no and yes, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know, man, there's it's other good. I mean, Hugh Freeze is a the guy they have got to kick the tires on him at least. I mean, he's been really good. And he's obviously got it going at Liberty now. I mean, they're, they're a legitimate pain in the ass and they lost Malik and they're still pretty damn good. Um,
1: so the guy can coach football. And Hugh would do very, very well at the politicking. I know people get obsessed with the stuff about the personal things and all that. Whatever. I, I mean, whatever. There's so many football, co- so many football coaches have personal stuff. I mean, just they just do. They just do. Um, Hugh is Hugh would be very good at that part of it. I think if you're Auburn, you got to kick the tires on Matt Rule. Um, I mean, he's a guy that won at Temple. He won at Baylor. He's now been an NFL head coach. Uh, you probably wouldn't have to pay him ten million a year, um, and then if I'm Auburn, at least tell me this. I'm curious because Lane got asked about it on the SEC teleconference today. If you're Auburn, how far down this Deion Sanders road do you go? Well, somebody asked Lane Kiffin about that. Yeah, he was asked about Deion Sanders. He said Auburn. That he said basically that's who Auburn should hire. He goes, he'd be great. Auburn should. Or they should hire him.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I haven't made any secrets about it on the uh, brain drain. I mean, I love me some Coach Prime. And I mean, I grew up thinking he was an awesome football player. I love watching him as an analyst on NFL Network when he was doing that. I, I think he's he's the one guy who if you're going to go head to head in a recruiting battle in the southeast, you know, you could come in behind Sabin or behind Kirby and you still got that, that that splash. You know what I mean? Like even with Lane Kiffin, as good as he is, he's almost kind of like the the football fans coach in a way like he's the smart choice but he's not somebody that everybody knows the way that prime is. So if you want to really get your recruiting jump started, I got to believe that, that just the credibility that prime brings you is would improve Auburn's talent situation, uh, you know, 50 fold within a year. I mean, kids want to play for him. I mean, they just do.
1: Yeah. Lane said this on the teleconference that you're in an era of, of transfer portal where you can, build rebuild a roster or tear down a roster really fast what used to take two or three years now can get done in two or three weeks really um but you got to have the personality and the knowledge and to do it and you got to have an nil war chest but it's got to be more than that it's got it there's there's lots of schools that have money that aren't landing all the kids sanders is fascinating to me i mean like in the back of my mind, I've been playing with this, hey, do, you know, in a scenario where Lane Kiffin leaves, I need to have a list ready. Where would Deion Sanders be on my list? He'd be on it. It's for sure. I mean, you know, in Mississippi, does he make a ton of sense at Ole Miss? I don't know. Would he be effective at Ole Miss? I don't know. But be a guy that you'd want to at least kick the tires on and talk to.
2: Well, yeah. I. I mean, to me, he just makes a lot of sense. And – the question would be you know not not the roster management or talent acquisition it would be just like okay who would he get to coach would they be a team that you know had an identity you know Ole Miss does almost has that because Lane Kiffin is is himself an identity and these other folks like you know uh, Georgia has an offensive and a defensive identity I mean what prime is just overwhelming the SWAC right now because he knows how to get kids and his, his roster is loaded for a SWAC team yeah so he just out athletes them all the time because he just got so many dudes, you know, but I don't care how good of a recruiter you are in the SEC. You're not just going to out athlete everybody. There's too many. I mean, geez, not Alabama and Georgia or LSU. I mean, hell no. So it's, it's got to be a lot deeper than that. I just, I just think that he's the guy that would give Auburn the credibility it's got to have, dude. You just, they're getting drubbed so bad by Alabama and Georgia at this point, not just on the field. And it's bad enough there. I mean, Auburn almost won the iron bowl last year, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if Alabama wants a kid in the state of Alabama, Alabama gets that kid 99% of the time right now.
1: It's an Auburn roster that's going to have to be oh my really God. rebuilt. I mean, that I've, I had I had someone in football circles who knows, who's not pro or anti-Auburn, say, I mean, I'll use the word he used. Your people will not like this, but it's, I'm quoting somebody. It's not the word I would use. He said the, the roster will be trash by the time the season's over.
2: Oh, it, No, Auburn people would not be upset because they know what's coming. I mean, the roster right now ain't great, but the roster next year is.
1: We're
0: driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: That's U N I F Y D com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the unified healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: It's untenable.
2: It can't, you know,
1: you're going to have to add 40 players. I'm not joking. Yeah, no, and that's why it's it's a hard job, and you're doing that with Nick Saban on one side of you and Kirby Smart on the other. I mean, that's, that's who you're having to catch, and not to even mention Tennessee suddenly. I mean, as of this moment, Tennessee's a top-three program. Um, you know, Billy Napier, I think most people think, is going to do a good job at Florida. I'm not so sure that I'm completely sold on that, but other people are. Um, you know, I do think Brian Kelly is going to do a good job at LSU. I mean, there's, you've got Dabo Sweeney at, at Clemson. I mean, there's stuff around you that you have to compete against. And and when you're having to rebuild your roster completely at that point, that's, that's a lot.
2: Yeah, it is. It's going to be uh fun. This is uh, you know, when it happened to me in 1998, <laughs> you know, when Bowden quit or got fired on October 23rd of 1998, I said, damn, it's going
1: to be a long six weeks, man. You and me were pups, dude. We, we, that Friday night, we didn't know what was going on. That Saturday at Jordan-Hare, we're sitting there covering Auburn and Louisiana Tech, and the guys that we're competing against are sitting down on the farm with Terry Bowden getting the scoop, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in completely over my head.
2: Yeah, I just got skull. I can't speak to you, but I got skull drug in the fall of 98. I mean, Goldberg and Villa were killing me. I, got, and I know you I got, got your lucky. shots in, too.
1: Well, I got lucky because Auburn turned its attention to Tommy Tuberville, And I knew Tuberville, and I knew a lot of people around Tuberville, and I think I got in on that story before other people did.
2: What was funny is you you talk about how (laughs) the situation we were in behind the eight ball. uh, When this story broke on Halloween a couple days ago at Auburn, (laughs) they literally had just hired a dude at the Montgomery Advertiser. Did you see that? Well, you
1: talked about it. I I think I said in your (laughs) chat, I said, Godspeed to him, man. Oh, man, he is dead. I I mean, I empathize with the kid. I don't know who he is, but "Hey, hey, bud. I'm thinking of you. Hang in there, War Eagle, buddy. War Eagle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he starts that day, and I mean, he doesn't know a soul. And I saw him the other day. I didn't introduce myself because I'm a dickhead, but I should. But I wasn't 100 percent sure it was him. I that's my that's my back out. But I was I saw him over there at basketball yesterday, and he doesn't know what he's doing. And he doesn't know anybody, and he's underwater. He's underwater. <laughs> he's he's at the bottom of the ocean. He's in the Marianas Trench right now. <laughs> he's I mean, just, shit.
1: he's just trying to trying to breathe he's not trying to win he's not trying to catch anybody at this point
2: this shit is hard for me and i've been over here 25 years you know i mean i always got to worry about philip marshall and jason caldwell and these guys man jeez, louise ah anyway so it's gonna be fun over here at auburn well, uh, for the i next love five coaching weeks.
1: searches for some reason I, I i dig them i always have I, i've gotten my ass kicked on a, a few of them but I've, I've won a few of them and they're they're invigorating to kind of go after
2: When you're in my situation, Neil's not in this situation, and I hope he he never is again, but when you're covering a program that stinks, it's terrible for business. So a coaching search is wonderful for business. Yeah. We get a lot of a good portion of my revenue is based on uh, advertising um, that gets boosted up when things are going well. Neil and I are very much anti-clickbait. Don't ever accuse us of doing that. But, you know, when there's a lot of traffic on our sites – That's a benefit, so that helps me after a doldrummy couple a couple years so far. This is the point. Auburn, the
1: the one thing that you get to do in a coaching search that, and I get why some fans would be like, "That's clickbait." You get to have a little bit of fun in a coaching search, especially one that like yours is going to last at least a month. Um, you get to play with the idea of like, and I know you haven't even done it yet. You haven't done a hot board or whatever yet, but you can. Screw with the hotboard a little bit with the pictures that you put out front on your site. Because like I can remember with Ole Miss last time, someone told me, hey, I heard Ole Miss might talk to Dana Holgerson. And I was like, really? And like, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to it. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just write it in the most rumory way possible. Admit that it's a rumor and stick Dana Holgerson's photo out front <laughs> and put it out on Twitter. Like, hey, subscribe to rebelgrove.com. And is that clickbaity? That's close. But I think if you admit that it's rumor and you're just saying, Hey, look, this is a long process and you're going to hear a bunch of stuff. And here's what we heard today. Here were the rumors today. Sometimes people kind of dig that. Hmm.
2: Well, I will take that into consideration. I mean, I generally just try to shy away from that because, you know, you and I grew up in an era that pre-internet and, you know, we had, I don't know, it was a different way of doing things. I guess is a fair way to put it.
1: Yeah, we couldn't do that there. But you can do it here, I think, if you label, hey, this is a rumor. Um, also, you get to find out who's stealing your stuff when you do that. Oh,
2: yeah, I don't even like knowing that. These, these like Facebook groups and whatnot, they always do that. They don't give you any credit either. And then when you confront them, they always bullshit you about it.
1: Have ever told you the Mike Shula story? <laughs> Not right off. Uh-uh. Okay, so I'll be quick. So Ole Miss was uh, there at the Egg Bowl. It was the night that uh, the kid from Mississippi State, the quarterback, broke his leg. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, Is the, the game that resulted in the Breland Speaks waving at Dan Mullen meme that you see on the internet all the time. Ole Miss wasn't supposed to win. We had been assured by our sources that Matt Luke was not going to get the permanent job. And so we didn't go. We stayed here to do a show and all that stuff. And there may have been a little bit of bourbon involved, Jay. And, and as the game's going on, we're kind of working on a hot board. And I said, let's have some fun with it. Let's, let's just have a little fun with it. I, was, I want to see something. We had a suspicion that our material was being stolen without credit. And I said, let's put a couple of names on the board. And one of the names we'd actually heard, it was some pro guy working for the Packers or the Seahawks or something. And whatever had some Mississippi ties somewhere, like his aunt's cousins, <laughs> boyfriends yeah. yard man once worked in Winona or something. And, um, and I said, let's put Mike Shula on it. the time, he was with the Carolina Panthers, I think, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whatever. And I said, let's just put it on. there. Let's say that we've heard that he's interested in getting back into the college game.
2: You essentially just made it up.
1: I, I didn't essentially made it up. I totally made it up. Okay. And we put it on our hot board <laughs> that night. And the next morning, one of the competing sites – had Mike Shula's picture out front, and not only that, they had confirmed through college and pro sources that he was interested in the oldest job. <laughs> <child. laughs> so I had to come back and go, guys, I made it up. Like it's not true. I literally just made it up. Now, most people thought it was hilarious. A few people were, oh, how dare you! But yeah, how dare you? But pretty much, pretty much caught the hand in the cookie jar right there.
2: Yeah, I guess you don't want to name that person, but. Uh... Whatever. It happens sometimes. I'm not going to do that. I'm, that just weirds me out too much. I don't want people <laughs> thinking I'm lying.
1: I get well, you having fun, though. It, like, I couldn't believe it. I, I assumed that people would be like, is Mike Shula real? And I was going to like, no, nah, we were trying to set a trap. We were having a little fun. <laughs> to set to a trap? Chase calls me that next morning, 7 a.m. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? And he goes, "They not only did they take it, they, they ran with it. And I'm like, what? And he tells me about it. I'm like, oh, my God. It's right. so at that point, I felt like terrible. Because now people are talking about Mike Shula, and I, there was no, obviously, Mike Shula was not interested in. But he, the he probably,
2: Mike Shula didn't mind. No, I, I
1: doubt if Mike Shula ever found out.
2: <laughs> You're probably right about that. <laughs> One thing people have definitely found out about here lately, Neil, is the Cathead Distillery, makers of fine spirits and other delicious refreshments that can be found throughout the Southeast and beyond. Their newest product is spreading like wildfire through the pyre pits, shindigs, and get-togethers of Milo, Cow, and yours. It's Cathead Sparkling, a sparkling vodka cocktail in a colorful aluminum vessel, 5% ABV, 100 calories, and as always, gluten free, sugar free, and vegan. Cathead Sparkling comes in eight packs, and they come in clusters of four different flavors the old school clusters, the limeade, the strawberry lemonade, the mandarin, and the cranberry. The new school cluster, mango, raspberry, cucumber, and pineapple. You can find those in grocery stores, convenience stores, and liquor outlets. Dear you, I drank them all summer. And I found them both good and satisfying. Cathead has also, of course, began making waves in the vodka space. These days, uh, their newest invention is the Cathead Bitter Orange Bottles. Mui Delicioso. They are a perfect complement for their ubiquitous Cathead Honeysuckle. You may also see their straight vodka with the blue label in the wild, as well as their pecan flavor with the green label. They're all delicious. Sometimes we drink them straight, depending on it. Don't uh, judge me. They all have a role in making a delicious and great and satisfying cocktail. Cathead's bourbons are excellent as well. You know all about the 90 proof Old Soul, which has been around for a minute, but their single barrel Old Soul at 109 proof is a terrific standalone pour. I saw that we had a Twitter follower, Neil McCready, who had bought some of that over in the state of Mississippi and sent that along. That person made an incredible decision. You may also be able to find their 10 type series, which is a seven year 119 proof bourbon occasionally And if you ever have a chance to pick up their 13- or 15-year-old old old soul, which is in that kind of dark gray label on the front, you need to just pick that up and say, thank you for letting me have this. I don't care if it costs me a few dollars. Look, you need Cathead in your life. Seek out their Cathead Sparkly or any of their fine spirits the next time you're out. If your favorite bar or restaurant doesn't carry Cathead, make a request. Ask them to carry Cathead. Life is better with Cathead in it. So do what you got to do and get that
1: Cathead. We're also brought to you by Pinnacle. They're based in Madison, Mississippi. They got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states. They uh, provide detailed, specialized investment management. <coughs> excuse me, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much, much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So, regardless of your level of wealth, they're going to sit down with you, study your expenses, put forth a comprehensive. Detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. We're also brought to you by our buddy, John Edwards at Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. I'm involved in this competition, Jay, with uh, Tyler Siski. We do a show together called McCrady and Siski, And uh, we have a competition where the loser has to go to the uh, humanitarian potato bowl or whatever it's called in Boise in December. And um, can't wear a jacket, sweatshirt, nothing, going to get cold, watching the potato bowl. And we booked all of our stuff through uh, John Edwards at Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. All we did was we gave him some parameters, gave him a budget, and just said, here's kind of what we want to do. He uh, arranged it all, made it so simple. Um, he'll do that for you, too. Just get in touch with him, like I said. Give him parameters. Tell him what you think about doing. Maybe it's a summer trip. Maybe it's a holiday trip. Whatever the case may be. And uh, he will help. You make it a special trip that creates a lifetime of unique memories. 901-494-3387 or send him an email. j Edwards at regencytravel.net.
2: Uh, you mentioned Tyler Siski. I was watching y'all show the other day. Uh, it was just like yesterday. And uh, you had mentioned very casually in the conversation with him that, oh yeah, we got a ghost in our house. So Caroline thinks that there's a ghost in her room. My dad has seen or experienced this apparition. Yes. And Tyler was losing his shit, which I absolutely would have too. Had I known that, I don't know if I would have gone in your house, man. <laughs> I am <laughs> not into this at all. And when I bought, when we bought our first house, it's a ghost. It's a I, I, ghost. I, Whatever, man. When we bought our first house here in Montgomery in 2001, I paid the realtor more money. I said, I want you to research who has lived in this house, and I want you to make 100% sure that nobody died in this house. Because if they did, I'm not going to live in it. Period. I don't care. And he did. Fortunately, there were only four previous owners, and he was able to account for all of them. And he went through all like the calls, any corner calls of the house, any 911 calls, police calls, fire calls, et cetera, et cetera. So we knew exactly what was going on. And uh, nobody did, so I said, fine, thumbs up. This house I'm in right now has been owned by the Tates the whole time, so I don't have to worry about that where I am. But, dude, I'm telling you, if I thought there was a ghost in my house, I would be out, dude.
1: Gone. So if you had found out that maybe an older couple had lived in the house and and she had passed away in the house, that would have been that. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a deal breaker. Because you assume that her ghost would still be in the house?
2: Just not even I'm not assuming that it would be. The possibility is there, and if it did happen, I would have myself to blame. Are you trying to tell me somebody died in your house? I told Courtney about this at lunch because she knows how I feel about this. This isn't even breaking news because she knew about it. She goes, Well, Neil's not his house is so new, you wouldn't have to worry about anybody having died in there.
1: No, no one no one to my knowledge has ever well, lived course. in this house.
2: Oh, okay. Us. You all bought it new?
1: yeah well
2: then how could you have a ghost in there where, where how do they get in there i don't i i
1: don't know so what I, what has caroline experienced she has ex- just experienced a presence in the uh in her room and and my dad uh stayed there um we were in birmingham for a funeral i guess it was when Laura's mother passed away and uh my dad at the time carson was little over a year old. Yeah. Um, is that right? Yeah. I guess he was almost two, whatever. Um, they came and stayed with Carson at the house because the girls went with us to Birmingham. And um, my dad slept up in Carson's room, in Caroline, what is now Caroline's room, and he experienced it, felt something in there. I mean, he's not the kind to be like that way. Hmm. to be like he's not gonna make it up and caroline has consistently said over the years that she knows something's in there but that she's gotten used to it
2: did she have a conversation with your dad about it i mean could that idea have been planted in her head or she had it completely independent
1: uh, no she and she got it she experienced this later
2: man that's really weird i I mean i don't know if realistically i could just leave the house like because you guys have money in it and stuff but she's dude (laughs) i don't want to be in that situation i had a. I had a supernatural experience at my, at Courtney's grandmother's grave and I don't want to do it again. She was really, it was a, it was a, it was a good one. It was a positive one, but I don't, it that still got me weirded out 30 years later, bro. I don't want to deal with that.
1: What do you mean a supernatural experience? Would you, what happened?
2: I, you know, I mean, I met Courtney in February, 1992 early february and her, her grandmother who was like her best friend died in january of 1992 so like literally within a week or two of her grandmother dying she met me now look i know i'm not necessarily the greatest you know i'm not the prize husband here i'm a fat cross-eyed sports writer but me and Courtney have been thick as thieves since pretty much the day we met and you could argue that i've been really good for her now then i went to see the the Our her family are buried together in cave hill cemetery in louisville kentucky so when we went there for the first time i just had this like. Uh, I felt like somebody, like her grandmother was talking to me, but I, it, it wasn't like I could hear it. It wasn't like I was looking around through the trees and be like, who's talking to me. I just kind of, it was just like in my head, I could hear it. And I'm not this guy, man. I'm not like, there's an aura around me. I'm I'm like not, I'm the opposite of that. Yeah. But there so was, like hard words. it was like this presence that kind of just, it came over me a little bit and it was very calming. And it was like, I, you are the one for her. I brought you to her, take care of her. And it was just like,
1: I don't, I don't know what's going on with my life right now because
2: <laughs> I'm not that guy, you know?
1: And you guys were not like y'all hadn't been together long enough for you to like share that. Right?
2: No, I didn't share it with her at that moment. I sh- I'd shared it with her probably a couple, three months later. Cause by we got going in February and by the time we hit end of March, I, I knew it was a done deal. So I mean, it happened pretty quickly. And I probably told her in yeah. the summer. And we still talk about it and joke about it. I've been back many, many times, and I've never had anything like that happen.
1: What was her reaction when you told her?
2: She wasn't surprised. She's kind of, I'm not saying she's like a, she's open to that. I just, I'll say that. She likes to go into cemeteries and stuff. And she got me to, because previously to that, I, I don't want to go into cemeteries. You got to drag me in. But now I kind of like it. It's a very peaceful area. And I find that it's just, I don't know. I feel very calm in a, in a cemetery, particularly that one. But yeah, so that happened to me, bro. And I don't really know how to explain it, that she was able to convey that concept to me without... I mean, it wasn't like I was looking around. It, I couldn't hear her. But at the same time, I just felt like she was kind of putting that in my head. And we've been thick as thieves, man. I mean, my wife. My wife's my best friend, and I, I love her to death. She's My my life, My life. wife's satisfaction index is like pegged. 100 out of 100. And you know that. I mean, you've hung out with me, yeah. And Courtney.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, well, if you ask me... What I think happened, I would tell you that that was her grandmother talking to you. I think
2: it was too, honestly. But I'm just not open to that. And I don't really want to get involved in that ever again. Because <laughs> it's not explainable to me. And I just get weirded out. And I, yeah, I just don't. The idea that you'd have a ghost in your house is like, God
1: bless, man. Please, no. Just leave me alone. Please. You know, I've, never felt, I've never felt any threatening presence. I've never experienced it. Unless it's the same ghost that comes down and pins me down on the bed a couple of times.
2: Yeah, well, that one looks like Aubrey Plaza. So, I mean, that's a different deal right there.
1: See, people people say there's an explanation for that. Like, if you Google it, that there's this answer that comes up that it's it's night terrors or something. And it's like an old woman. And she's kind of on top of you. And she's like, hey, I'm just trying to have some fun. And you're like, no, no, get off.
2: This really came out of left field, considering it's coming from your mouth, bro. Uh, I've
1: not had that happen, although I'm, I'm open to it. At- <laughs> Yeah, no, I've, I've I've had that happen a couple of times.
2: That would be best case scenario for me because I get to enjoy it, and then also
1: Courtney couldn't get mad at me. You feel kind of paralyzed, like you can't you can't move. Hmm. But supposedly there's some scientific explanation for that.
2: Yeah. Okay. Whatever.
1: What, right. What I mean, that? I don't. I think it was a ghost who is into bald guys, and she. <laughs> I just think she looked at me and was like, "Yeah, I want some of that," and. She she's like, what do I, have? I mean, as a, as a ghost? And she's thinking, what do I have to lose? And so she just you know was hoping to have an experience. That's all, because she was like, calm down. I'm just trying to have some fun.
2: Well, you can't get her pregnant.
1: No, she's already dead. Yeah. And I've had a I've, I've not Yeah. What's it called? A. Um, and you get snipped. Oh yeah, you got snipped. Snips. Yeah. So, I mean, we're set. Me and the ghost are safe. And like you said, I mean, I'm asleep and I'm paralyzed and I'm telling her to stop. So nobody can get mad at me.
2: Well, usually my advice in that situation goes all. Oh, it absolutely is. I I don't hold you responsible at all. Normally it's a fact you can't get her throat pregnant, but in your case, it doesn't really matter where it goes. Hey, listen, we got uh, some football games this weekend uh, of significance. I believe I just want to touch on these before we finish this bad boy. Uh, Yeah. We've got Florida at A&M. What people
1: people want now is some football predictions, (laughs) damn it.
2: (laughs) Billy Billy Napier is going to try to give Jimbo.
1: $100 million in ghosts, and now they, by God, break down this Florida game.
2: Well, you could argue that Billy Napier is going to try to give Jimbo a throat pain. (laughs) (laughs) Neil had ice in his mouth on that one about the choke on it, man.
1: God. i about became a ghost <laughs> right there
2: come on man don't choke bro i can't give you the heimlich from here uh florida at texas a&m uh that would jimbo's already in deep water hot water here but he'd be three
1: and six if he lost that one. he's not he's not in hot no water i mean oh, i mean
2: he, not in hot water he's not gonna get fired but everybody hates him like
1: yeah they owe him 86 million dollars it's it's gotta be like no i mean all all jokes aside for a minute it's got to be if you're Auburn or anybody else making a hire and you're thinking about going all in, you got to be aware this could happen. Yeah, I know. I'm pulling for Florida. <laughs> I kind of think A and M wins this game though because I really liked uh Ole Miss played them last weekend. I, I really liked the freshman quarterback Wigman. He played I better. He I don't know why he hasn't been playing more. He's he's got some. He's a talented kid. Nice arm.
2: Yeah, he played better for sure. He helped them a lot. They were. Yeah. Somewhat competent in that game. Yeah. Uh Kentucky uh at Missouri. Uh the Wildcats have lost some luster here lately, Neil. That's a uh UK is a
1: one point favorite, eleven o'clock on the SEC network. Am I crazy that I kind of like fight in the fighting dearmans here? No, they, I mean they're always in the game. They they play every game close. And here lately they've won a couple, so maybe they have a little something going. Little 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 juju, you know, a little something. I don't even know how to describe that Missouri Auburn game. <laughs>
2: I did get my ticket. Did you see that? You see it up here behind me? This little ticket, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, that was a ghost that made that kid fumble the ball at the half yard line. Yeah, for real, right? There's no other explanation for why he fumbled the ball right there. It was a
2: ghost. We need to talk to him about apparitions. His if he's mentally open to it. uh The featured game of the week is a great game. uh Yeah, Tennessee at Georgia. The Bulldogs favored by eight points at this point right now. It's going to be on CBS. And, uh, wow, that's a put-up-or-shut-up game right there with uh, national title implications for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I don't – Tennessee, have you seen these graphics where people compare Tennessee's offense to um, LSU's offense in 2019 when they put up historic numbers and won the championship and all that? Tennessee's numbers are basically the same or better in every category. Wow. It's, it's kind of bizarre, and yet everyone, I think most people expect them to lose Saturday in Athens. And I think I do, but there's a little part of me that kind of thinks Tennessee does this. I don't know what that's about. Oh, but that's a mistake. Uh, you think Georgia wins big? Oh,
2: yeah. If I had $500 to put on it, I'd put $500, and Georgia's going to win that game. Like, no doubt about oh, wow. it. Okay, cool. I just don't believe in Tennessee, man. I, they're, they're frauds. Not in this team. This team's better than they've been, but to win games like this, you've got to have inertia, and I don't think Tennessee's got enough you got to really believe you're going to do that.
1: Georgia's a legitimate ball club now. Oh, no, they're legit. No and shit, no they doubt.
2: were totally disrespecting that uh, thing that they put out last night where they were the third seed pros- prospectively right now. Like, I know it doesn't matter right now, but that's what, that's a joke. Like the three seed? Are you kidding me? What have they not done? I can't believe an
1: Auburn Rider's you- over here backing up Georgia. This is bullshit. I don't I think it was more what, what Tennessee has done. <sighs> gone to LSU, won LSU, one big beat Alabama, whipped Kentucky. I mean, they, they got a pretty good resume going on. If you say so.
2: Uh, the fight Hugh Freezes are traveling right. to Fayetteville this weekend, 3 o'clock on the SEC Network. Arkansas is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite.
1: I do like Arkansas on that one, though. Man, they got some boys, dude. They can run the football. Yeah, I, th- I think Arkansas is going to win this easy. I mean, I think so – I'll, I'll give you one surefire prediction. My girls will take four gazillion Instagram photos. That's the over-under, <laughs> four gazillion. <laughs>
2: That's funny that's funny i my daughter doesn't you know, even I give, you,
1: I give you a hook four gazillion and a half that's the hook if you want to go lay the lay the lay the instagram photos my
2: daughter goes to these games the south alabama games and i obviously south alabama and arkansas are in different worlds but you know the student center the student sections are jammed up at south too and
1: they don't even take a picture like she'll, she won't take a picture that game starts at three o'clock i will start seeing photos at about uh let's see 145 three no it'd be like 10 o'clock in the morning i'll start seeing pictures it'll, over the course of the day be like, be like
2: go hogs just, or whatever
1: yeah we'll just every every well and, and the girls do all the little posing thing i'll see just all these different girls that they're posing with you know like 18 shots with each one where they're yeah it's just yes yeah, their thing
2: it's weird to me to watch my daughter do this when because she does take some i uh, not a gazillion but and I'm always amazed at the girls she's hanging out with, because like I got my idea in my head about the people that my daughter would hang out with because she's like a she's a sassy, like mouthy chick, you know, like as you would expect uh, being kin to me and my wife. But she'll hang out with these like little hundred pound girls that are like, you know, southern girls they are like, oh, it's so nice to meet you, Mr. Tate. And I'm just like, you're, you're good friends with my daughter. Like, are you just a stand in? Are you an actor? that's what college is about i guess uh alabama at lsu six o'clock on espn uh lsu is a 13 point dog in that one and it looks like it's forecast to be rainy on the bayou Oh. rain a wet oh, evening on the bayou and i'm telling you when that stadium gets wet it gets wet
1: yeah it's you- um i kind of like alabama here big man oh of course you do <laughs> yeah i get it yeah i just I, I think Alabama
2: wins this game easily, but it's not going to be high scoring. I mean, I think it might be like 20 to seven or something like that. that' still,
1: yeah, that'd still, be, yeah, a, could be. That'd still could be, be a
2: big win. I mean, uh, then you got uh, Auburn at Mississippi State.
1: Do your people care anymore? I guess they're kind of cheering for Carnell. Or yes. Cadillac to do Well,
2: they are fired up about Carnell Williams being the interim head coach. Of course, the former Auburn tailback, a guy who really kind of sparked Auburn's renaissance there under Tuberville. Now they were decent in 2000 when they had Rudy Johnson. You were covering the team back then, but carnell committed to them in 2000 over alabama and tennessee he was a freshman in 2001 that. and that's really where auburn started to make their ascension to uh the undefeated season in 04
1: he committed to tennessee at first right and then he did. auburn flipped
2: yeah. yeah he's from gadsden alabama he's definitely a local hero so everybody's really fired up and i, I think auburn people are going to care these last four games of the season i mean i don't think it matters but you know i mean if he goes four and which he won't but if he did i mean he still wouldn't get the job and they got bigger stakes i guess Anyway, Auburn at Mississippi State, 6.30 on ESPN2. Looks like it's going to be raining uh, in Starkville as well, which could affect both teams. Uh, Auburn, in addition to firing Harson, fired a bunch of other dudes too. Uh, Fired the tight ends coach, fired the offensive coordinator, fired the strength and conditioning coach, fired the recruiting coordinator, uh, fired the chief of staff.
1: Like, who's, who's handling everything? Is it just a bunch of dudes that they've – analysts that they've said, hey, you're a coach for a couple of weeks? Go for uh, it.
2: Yeah, a couple of those guys are now on the field coaches. Uh, Kendall Simmons, who you covered here, uh, he's going to be on oh, the yeah. field as well. Um, but they're going to be – offensive coordinator is going to be a mixture between the offensive line coach and the wideouts coach is going to kind of collaborate on that. And then defense coordinator is still here. He's one of Harson's guys, but he's not like – he's not Boise, though. So, yeah, it's kind of a patchwork staff, but I suspect – they're gonna play better, honestly. I really do, but I think Mississippi State's just a better ball club, anyway.
1: Getting hey, if if it's really raining, that that does kind of change things a little bit for State because they like to obviously the air raid. They're gonna put it in the air and throw it around. It's hard to catch a wet ball.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's what they say. Huh? Well, I like wet balls. Brandon Coxer did or didn't. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, and then late another late game is gonna be uh, the Cox are gonna be playing at Vanderbilt. Uh, good luck with that, Shane Beamer. Uh,
1: when he tries to walk his boys through that Commodore walk. Ooh, boy, this is going to be the emotional. Com- this because i tell you, if you're a Vanderbilt fan and God knows so many of you are. Oh yeah. If you're a Vanderbilt fan, I think you smell an opportunity at a win here. And I expect Commodore walk to go from 12 people to. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go crazy.
2: 26. Well, people was, 25 was where I was. I was going to say how, over under 25 and.
1: Twenty six people at Commodore Walk. It's going to be powerful, emotional, and I, it just might carry the Commodores to a glorious night in Nashville. I got an idea.
2: If I was there, now I, I wish I could. I got to do the uh, Mississippi State game, but if I could go, and of course we're undercover Vanderbilt fans, we all are. Oh God! I would God. carry a sign. I'd be number twenty seven, be the twenty seventh member of it, and I would have a sign yep. that would said, "Anchor this, Shane Beamer."
1: Oh, that would. I gotta. That would scare. That that would hurt him. I know how to anchor
2: this, and you're gonna have a throat baby when I'm finished, big (laughs) boy. (laughs) Wow! Wow! I don't want Vandy PD to come after me though, so I might have to keep keep it clean. Also, the Ole Miss Rebels are on a bye week.
1: Yep, they play uh, Alabama a week from Saturday.
2: Ooh, Lane's got himself a week to formulate that extra extra something something there, huh?
1: Yeah, probably have a pretty good scheme for him. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, it will be it will be fun. It, It one of the fun things about covering Lane is that the first series. And sometimes the first two series are just genius. You look at him, you're like, "Son of a," how'd you think of that? It's great with it. And then after that, it's up to players. He'll say that. He'll say the first quarter is about coaching, the next three are about players. Well, it, it, I agree. I think he's right. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I'll be pulling for Ole Miss this weekend for sure.
1: Oh, well, they're not going to lose.
2: Well, oh, you, you just got to stay safe and, and and get ready, man. Because the Bam Bam's got to go down there on the Bayou in a wet Bayou and fight that one out hopefully it's a it's a struggle for them and then then Ole Miss gets some fresh next week look dude everybody wants to see Saban lose right it's novel it's interesting yeah
1: I think people yeah it's one of the reasons I think CBS shows them all the time beyond just that they're winning I think it's the fact that if they ever get beat it's huge numbers all right we will uh we'll wrap it there thanks to everybody for uh being with us making us a part of your week we always appreciate it and um good luck with the ghost in your in your house no Um, just remember Something about ghosts and throats and stuff. I don't know. That's, that's what will be remembered from this particular podcast. So, uh, for Jay Tate, I'm Neil McCready. We'll be back next week with another edition of Greatest Pod in the South. Get those Cathead products. Tell the people at Cathead you heard about it here on the show. We'd appreciate it. Until next time, take care.